and welcome to the IABC Ottawa podcast, The Voice. The show where we talk about all things related to communications. Ottawa is one of the International Association of Business Communicators' largest chapters in the world, and we are very pleased to bring you a podcast that covers everything from marketing, strategy, social media, crisis comms, public affairs, to whatever else is relevant to communicators. Sarah. And I'm Sherry, and welcome everybody to episode 123, our final episode of the season. Uh, we hope everyone is staying safe and well and enjoying the warm weather as we head into summer. A quick reminder to everyone that due to the pandemic, we are still recording our episodes remotely. So if we sound a little muffled, bear with us. But we've got a great final episode for you. I cannot believe we're already at the end of June. Sad, but also exciting because I think you're going to like this one. Yeah, it's wild that it's been three months of recording remotely. Yes. Um, and a quick note to say as well, if you missed last month's episode, you should definitely go back and listen to it after. It is about mental health in the workplace amid the pandemic. But let's get back to this week, though. Sarah, what can you tell us about what we're going to be talking about in this episode? Yeah, so this week we're speaking with Carolyn Keeley, who's a communications strategist, change facilitator, author, entrepreneur. She is the founder of Ingenium Communications and the developer of Results Map, a program for communicators to improve their offering to clients. She's also an IABC member. She's the winner of two great, massive IABC awards. And on top of that, she's a mother. So she's juggling many balls, wearing many different hats. She's a total dynamo. And I walked away with some really helpful insights after our conversation. All right. And I guess we should tell listeners that one of the things we wanted to talk about in this episode or focus on was the way that COVID-19 is affecting women in particular, and also the fact that we know the media and communications field is largely dominated by women. Yeah. Um, so a lot of women are affected. And that was part of our incentive for reaching out to Carolyn. Yes. So um, Sarah, I'm so glad you were able to talk to her. And um, I wasn't able to join you, but I'm really looking forward to hearing it. All right. So let's roll with it. Let's roll it. Thanks for joining, Carolyn. So we've long wanted to do uh, a podcast about how COVID-19 is adversely affecting women, if it is, how so, and why many experts are saying, you know, any recovery response as we look to that must take mm -hmm. into consideration, you know, gender discrepancies and childcare needs. So here we are, and I'm wondering if you could start with just now we're seeing society sort of start to reopen in many ways, but if we can take a step back and think about how COVID-19 has had an impact on women, women entrepreneurs, right. all that kind of stuff. So, so women in general and, and yeah, just some examples of how female workers have been affected. Mm -hmm. It's a great question. And I, I appreciate your invitation to, to chat about it. I guess if I start from my own vantage point as a single mom entrepreneur, that certainly this whole COVID period has exacerbated the regular challenges of day-to-day -day life. And I think that's probably a very shared experience. From what I'm observing, certainly my own experience, it's that doing regular tasks always seems now to be more depleting. You know, for example, <laughs> grocery shopping or meal preparation or 
doing work that, that is now requiring adapting to new technologies. So the sense I'm getting is it's it's just that on the surface, it appears that day-to-day life is just continuing in terms of childcare or work or household uh, tasks. But in essence, each of them is requiring more level of effort, which is leaving us more depleted and more exhausted. Yes. Okay. And 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 affecting productivity levels, I would imagine, which is unfair, yeah. but uh, the reality of of the situation. Because I know there was, if we look at StatsCan reporting in, in mm-hmm. May, that job loss was, um, or I think it was around 1.5 million women lost jobs in March and yeah. April. So they were greatly affected even with job loss. So there's that element. And then I feel there's another element, like you're saying, for those who did keep their job, there's that added burden of, with the unequal division of labor sort of in the household. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's quite right. Uh, and probably in Ottawa, we have a bit of a microcosm of both of those worlds. Yeah. So from an entrepreneurial perspective, there's no doubt that to be in the marketplace in an environment of crisis is challenging. Right. In our own case, we have been uh, working on our consulting practice our training practice uh, in one fell swoop, all of our workshops through the spring, and now the the ones in the fall are in question. And so that's hugely significant because then you've got to do double time to try to adapt and pivot to new ways of creating value. For example, in in doing, in our case, more consulting work rather than training Hmm. and uh, more capacity building sessions through distance techniques like Zoom. Yes. In our world, we had been working for over a year on the launch of our new results map system digital product. So the good news there is that it's a great time to be in a digital space and to be offering a value and community through a digital platform. Yes. Uh, but it's also true that putting out a new product is particularly demanding and the conditions that we're finding ourselves in make it even more so. Yeah. So that's what I would say from an entrepreneurial perspective. I have also read, as, as you indicate, that women have been hit harder in terms of job loss. And the New York Times had coined this expression of the COVID yes. she session, yes. um, that roles that tend to be fulfilled uh, mostly by women have been hit hard. I get the sense anecdotally that Ottawa is protected from that to some extent because of the dominance of public and para-public sector employment. Certainly lots of folks have been hit hard and have lost their jobs, so not, not to undermine that very real phenomenon. But it's also true that we've got lots of people who have job security that's quite unlike in other markets. And so we see that, for example, even with our, our housing starts being stronger here than elsewhere uh, as a result of that. But that being said, the clients that we work with are overwhelmingly women working in communications uh, leadership roles. And I am finding them to be under huge new levels of pressure. Right both functionally in terms of the challenge of executing a high-performance communications task, for example, with employees when everybody is remote, Um, the difficulty of having to change constantly. And so I was just talking to a client yesterday who had said, well, we made plans because we thought that uh, people would be returning to the office in the summer. Now that's no longer the case. Then we thought it was September, so we redid everything. Now that's out the window. And so there is that sense of having to do double time at a time when we're depleted. 
So everybody's being affected. Yes, totally. And so how is the, because I mean, you work with a lot of men and women in communication. How is the communication sector? I mean, you say Ottawa is a little different, but I wondered that, like, is the communication and marketing sector, it's a pretty stable industry, I suppose. Women still dominate that Mm -hmm. field, I would imagine. Uh, Like, how has that, or, or, or is it the opposite, that communications and marketing is sort of one of the industries that's direly needed right now and and uh everyone's wondering how to to go about Mm -hmm. navigating and communicating through this time (laughs) yeah that's a really great question and and what i'm seeing seems to be a real cleavage so you have um some communicators who are working flat out 24 7 those that are working in public health roles are working in support of our healthcare institutions that sort of thing is an unprecedented level of demand and no quick relief in sight. So I think you've got a bunch that are totally consumed and overwhelmed. There are lots of others who were working on great projects which have been put on ice now, because for example, in the Government of Canada context, they are in what's known as the caretaking convention that they do also during uh, electoral periods, meaning that because the public agenda has to be really focused on the public health crisis at the moment, other valuable projects that people would have been working on uh, have been put on pause. And so there's something also quite exhausting and disorienting in that because there's lots of great work that could be done. There are efforts of starting something, but then being told, no, no, we've got to stop. We've got to change. So there's exhaustion all around. It just seems to come in, in slightly different flavors. And then there's the underlying personal dimension mm-hmm. of the extreme challenge of working at home for mm-hmm. those who have young children at home, for example. I mean, I, I think it's heroic to see how people are are juggling and I'm, I'm seeing uh, clients and colleagues who are uh, working extraordinary numbers of hours and putting in enormous effort to both do the best they can at childcare in a difficult circumstance yeah. While also having to deliver the goods uh, in the workplace. Which is just, yeah, I don't have children, but I can only imagine the at the the stress of that and then the worry that, oh, is this mm-hmm. going to affect my performance and, you know, all that. Right. Kind of thing. And, and, and we still so often see this unequal division of labor at home. Um, is there a sense that there's going to be a new reality in terms of how people it looks like a lot like if you look at Shopify um, who are saying yeah we want our employees to work at home for sort of the foreseeable future are we going to start to see more guidance or more emphasis on how to separate the personal from the professional are we going to see people saying like here's I don't know. There were like more, more specific playbook almost on how to do it, how how to do this childcare plus working at home, you know. Exactly. Well, I I think this is a super point. I'm not sure quite where this is all going to land. My instinct is that the pendulum has swung to this working at home and the Shopify announcement, that sort of thing. But I suspect we're going to have a bit of a correction because it's also true that people are lacking a sense of community and support, that innovation often happens by happenstance as people are working in in physical proximity or or bump into people. Um, Mentorship is a huge issue that is more difficult to cultivate in a a distant environment. Um, And the reality is that 
this arrangement of working from home is not working for a lot of people. For example, I'm hearing of lots and lots of folks who are struggling with repetitive strain injuries. Uh, One client is literally working on a laptop on an ironing board in a basement mechanical room, right? So this is not normal and it's not sustainable. Um, And so I think that we're, we're seeing some openness and enthusiasm for work at home but also an appreciation that if that is to be a regular practice, then supports have to be put in place. For example, having an appropriate workspace, having appropriate childcare, so that there isn't always this this feeling of not being adequate in any sphere, because it's hard to do a great job of childcare when you're on conference calls all the time. And on the other hand, it's hard to produce and, and deliver, for example, in the demanding communication space, when you have children who are wanting snacks or are peeing on the floor or whatever is, is requiring your attention at the moment. Right. Exactly. And that's what I worry. I think as, as society reopens, I start to go, okay, if, if the childcare facilities aren't reopening at the exact same time that, that people are being asked to return to work, we're going to see a very difficult situation where people are having to refuse to go back to work and yes, just absolutely. Yeah. And I was just seeing that uh, in a news report yesterday that even though childcare is slowly opening in Ontario, the other matter is are parents comfortable with sending their children. Uh, And so you know, in our in our practice, we do a lot of work in change management and change communications. And, and I think this is the most dramatic uh, situation of change fatigue, certainly that I've ever witnessed and probably any of us have, that it's not just having to wrap your head around a change in your workplace, but every aspect of people's lives have changed and they've lost many of the anchors that provide them with stability. Like, for example, People for whom, you know, their morning visit to the gym is really important to their mental health or going to church or participating in a soccer league, whatever these things are, have vanished at a time when we are being called upon to work in enormously difficult circumstances. And as women probably called upon to play a cheerleader role uh, that is also emotionally demanding. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the, you, you lose out on the supports. But is, is there um, examples or tips you're seeing mm. uh, of, of companies doing it right remotely, um, you know, checking in or doing remote gatherings or uh, boosting mental health in certain ways of remotely yeah. or whatever? It may. Like, are, you, are you seeing a good show of that as well and, and have some examples of that? Mm-hmm. Good question. Yeah, we are seeing, uh, I think, a real effort at trying to be uh, flexible and accommodating while also trying to inject a bit of sense of community and fun. So, for example, one organization that we work with does a Friday afternoon social time when they play um, different fun games like, you know, everybody's baby picture, you have to guess who it is, that sort of thing to try to have a little bit more attention paid to the social connections that are lacking. You see this even in Slack channels, for example, um, the increased use of Slack for informal communication or having channels about, you know, your kids or your furry friends to try to share in a way that, that sort of takes into account the whole person as opposed to strictly the work, work, work aspect. What I have found really interesting is a need to balance that with the reality that if somebody has a kid at home Mm. and they may prefer to spend that time 
uh, reading stories or, or going for a walk rather than participating in, a, in yet another Zoom call with, uh, with their colleagues. So I think there, there is a bit of a problem of forced fun, let's say, that um, it seems to be working better as an invitation rather than an imposition. Right. Interesting. Now, with entrepreneurship specifically, that's yeah. as well. So, so um, are you worried? I mean, we the government did have some supports uh, announced some su- supports for entrepreneurs. But if you were just in the process of launching a company, or yeah, um, I mean, this is seriously, it might even wipe you out. It, it probably has absolutely. Probably. Oh yeah, I I can see that. I am very very fortunate and grateful that our firm has been around now uh, for 18, 19 years. And so we have a strong base of clients and repeat clients. And that has really been uh, the most important factor, I think, to our success and ability to sustain and weather this storm. Uh, Because I think in an environment where people are already disrupted and disoriented, it's not a great time to have to onboard a new outsourced partner, right? And get them oriented to the way in which you work and so on. So because we have forged deep client relationships, um, it seems almost actually that, that what people appreciate in, in what we're able to contribute in this time is almost like staff augmentation, that we've got extra competent hands on deck and perhaps a new fresh perspective to contribute and, and we're helping fill some of the gaps as our clients are having to turn their attention on the critical sort of COVID-related activities that we can fill in uh, and try to, to um, bolster the team's capabilities and also provide uh, some training and some development. Interestingly, I think this is uh, a unique time for communication practitioners mm-hmm. to kind of dig deep and say, okay, since there has never been a time when communication is more critical, do I have the right skill set and mindsets? Do I have the right techniques, for example, in consultative skills hmm. or in being strategic, that sort of thing? So we're finding a real uh, self-reflection, I think, on the part of practitioners and, and an interest in building that muscle during this unusual uh, period of quarantine. What do you, when you say like consult, like what did, what does that mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, can you expand on that a little bit? Like the, and the strategic, sure. like, yeah. Yeah. So in our uh, results map system, we have a real focus on offering workshops and tools and, and guides that have to do with setting communicators up for success. Mm-hmm. What we find is that what makes or breaks careers and project success is not so much technical competency. It's more what I'm calling consultative skills or the space between the communicator and the internal clients that they serve. That's often where there's a misalignment. So we're working on building skills, like for example, how to ask really good questions, how to identify communication objectives that are aligned to business goals so that ultimately we're not just solving communication problems, we're solving business problems through communications. How to deal with disconnects or problems of integration. If, for example, you're called upon as a communicator to write web copy about, let's say, modernization, but your five executives each have a different definition of what modernization is all about. How do you uh, work with those internal clients to build that alignment and shared meaning that's required so that you can perform? So those are the kinds of consultative skills, Mm. and strategic muscle building that we're really focused on at this time. 
Yeah. And people, and that's sort of been exasperated in this time. It's like, okay, yeah. Uh, we got to be efficient with our questions. We've got to be um, all of, you know, all of, uh, that's right. emphasized in so many ways, really. That's it. And and so it's interesting because for years and years, you, you have heard, and I'm sure that, that you've heard as well, the frustrations that communicators feel that they're just order takers and they're just being asked to produce stuff and not really contribute to the full scope of their ability. Uh, but now the door has flung wide open that there has never been a more pressing business case for communication. And we see that literally communication is a, a, a life and death issue. <laughs> when you look at the countries that are doing the best in terms of their uh, quarantine management and, and obviously those that are doing the worst, that the key factor is very often communication. And so this is a time that we really have got to raise our game because we've got an opportunity that's really once in a lifetime to walk through that door of opportunity and contribute at a really strategic business level as opposed to an order taker tactician level. Yes. And I find it so interesting that we're all having to communicate. I mean, we're not all health experts, but we're just sort of navigate this medical world this is public health issue mm-hmm. um, through the lens of business communicators right and, and going absolutely okay so we're going to try to advise this client on how they should communicate COVID-19 when really you know it's something that's new to all of us but it, but, it, but the fu- fundamentals must be you know the same so right uh mm-hmm. yeah very interesting territory that we're approaching Absolutely. This is, this is fascinating. So going forward, um, Mm -hmm. you think that this will continue? uh, I mean, it's kind of interesting, actually, that the communication sector is is more important than ever. Um, This, this, this sector will continue to flourish, I imagine, as you you know, Mm -hmm. go through and it's not over yet. And, and, and even when it does become, you know, clear that we're we're past the hard bits. It's still going to be a, how are we, we've learned. So now how are we going to improve and how are we going to make sure we're prepared for the next? Absolutely. That's right. And, and that's, that's bang on. And I think what I'm seeing that really gives me a lot of hope is that a number of communicators that we work with have forged really deep bonds of trust and, and relationship equity with the executives that they work with because these executives have found themselves dealing with a magnitude and scope and velocity of change and, and disruption that, um, that has called them to seek communications counsel in a way that they have not before. Yeah. So we're really hopeful that that is going to set <clears throat> pardon me, the stage for building on those relationships moving forward. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you, Caroline. I really appreciate your time and uh, your insights and your expertise. Um, and I wish you well as well during in, in your entrepreneurial journey as well. Thank you, Sarah. I really appreciate the invitation and, and I really appreciate your commitment to contributing to the community during this time, which I think is really important in a volunteer capacity. So thank you for that. Thank you. That was such a good conversation, Sarah. You guys covered so much in that. How did you find it? I really enjoy. I mean, you know what? There's a lot of things I picked up on. I mean, it, she's such an experienced communicator, not only in Ottawa, but in Canada. But she did sort of touch on the fact that there's this component that women are not only, um, you know, they, they experienced a huge amount of job loss due to COVID-19, but 
On top of that, those that were fortunate enough to keep their jobs are in this delicate balance of struggling to deal with childcare, but also maintain good performance at work. And so the auto has this sort of combination of both worlds in it with a lot of public service. And so it, it was just kind of interesting to get her perspectives. I think she said it, the, the whole environment of working from home is going to change. Like it's going to, um, the way employers approach this and the way the conversations happen, yeah, the support for people, it's going to change. I, I really liked her point on consultation skills and how to ask really good questions for your clients and to get to solutions quicker, solving business problems through communications. I think that was really interesting and kind of enhanced during this time. So yeah, I mean, her experience as a single mother and an entrepreneur and a communicator, it was just sort of this perfect meld of all these different insights. How about you? What do you think? Yeah, I think that it was so nice to talk to a real person who's in the weeds dealing with this day in and day out, talking to entrepreneurs who are also dealing with this, like really getting that firsthand perspective, I think was really insightful and really came out in your conversation. I could feel um, sort of what she was going through when she was talking about the inability for people to make plans right now. Like it's, it's okay, like at work, when you're working on a project, everything is moving and things change day to day. So it's like, okay, we're planning this event or this, this launch for this date, but then things get pushed back. And how do you, how do you work in that environment? And then the reality that sometimes that high performance pressure is still there, even with everything else that's going on, like that, that can be a big strain on people. And just lastly, something I really hadn't thought about that I thought she communicated so well was that women are often called to play a cheerleading role in this. Um, And that that can be extra emotional demand, like whether it's cheerleading on for like their kids or cheerleading on their spouses or just cheerleading on other people in their team. It's kind of like that expectation that we're supposed to be like, yeah, like things are okay. Like let's have energy. Like let's go do this. We're all kind of exhausted. So she made me stop and think. And she had another great line about not being able to force fun. Like the stance you probably don't want to take is, you know, try and force people to be happy almost yeah, through all this. Exactly. I love that. So I, I yeah. on the cheerleading line because I think women so often take on that role. We're supposed to be happy. We're supposed to be cheerful. We're supposed to be positive, but it's a really tough time for everybody. So yeah. Yeah. Good reflections. Good reflections. Well, listen, that's it for this season of the IABC Ottawa podcast, The Voice. Remember that we are on Instagram, we are on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle is at IABC Ottawa, as well as on LinkedIn. And you can also check out our social and website, ottawa.iabc.com, for info on all IABC Ottawa networking, professional development, events, future meetups, and more. Again, something's still happening online. Uh, We don't know what the situation will be in the fall, but if you stay tuned to the social media channels and the website, you'll get all the latest updates and I think that's it so thank you so much for listening guys yeah thanks so much for listening these past few months we know it's been a little rocky for everybody but it's a nice community we have and uh, we've really enjoyed your company so let's play this music one last time let the music play <laughs>